singing. I have seen your faithfulness Never break your promises You are good, always good, my Jesus In the tension of the night You speak your word, my guiding light I will trust, I will trust
like that baby said amen didn't it amen and it maybe that alarm means it's time it's time to worship the lord right you know we're here to encourage each other right yes hopefully all right can i just show hands has god been good to you 
good and the bad, and then the ups and the downs, no matter what, he's good. And sometimes that's harder to say than other times, isn't it? But I look across this congregation, and I don't know every one of your stories, but I know there's hurt, and I know there's pain, and I know there's trials, but I know there's testimonies of his goodness. Man, I just, I'm so encouraged by you this morning. I hope that you know that. I know I sound awful. Praise the Lord, it doesn't, doesn't matter what we sound like, right? Matters our hearts. Do our hearts declare that he's good, church? Yeah. Let's continue singing about his goodness with one voice. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing the goodness of God. Cause all my goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no
Let's pray together. God, this is what we cry to you, that you are good and that you are faithful and that we believe that because of this baby that was born, you are with us. You've made your dwelling here among us. That means that here, even now, as we've gathered, you are here. Lord, we sense your presence with us, and we say now that we believe your presence is life-changing. We believe your presence will continue with us through this service, and that you will change us, help us to keep our hearts open to you. Lord, I ask that you be with Pastor Brian as he comes and brings the word that you have laid on his heart. God, would you speak through him to us? May we leave helped. May we leave encouraged. May we leave changed because of you and your truth. We love you, Lord, and now help our lives to show that. Amen. So, well, happy new year. Welcome to 2023. Uh, what a difference a week makes, right? It's like a 60-degree difference in one week, and I could get used to this weather in Ohio. Last week, uh, you know, Michigan can keep that weather, but uh, I, I am excited to be able to worship with you together in this context. First time I've been able to preach to our, my faith family in, in one room. Uh, the last time we were together in one room like this, uh, we, we just met one another. Some of you might be thinking, boy, if we'd have known then what we know now, uh, <laughs> this conversation might have gone a different direction. But, but I'm very thankful that as you come in today, that when you saw someone sitting in your seat, maybe from first service to second service, there were no fisticuffs or, or no, no one upset yet, and we're very glad for that. What is good and consistent is the front row is still largely empty. So that does not change between services. So just know that you're consistent in that. But I encourage you today as you leave, find someone that maybe you don't recognize, maybe it's unfamiliar to you, introduce yourself to them, because we are part of one body. We're one church. This is a great opportunity for us to maybe to make some, some connections between names and faces. And maybe some people you've been praying for, you might get to know who they are today. So I just uh, would invite you to spend a few moments when we're finished today to uh, maybe get to know someone a little bit different. And uh, the great thing about today is normally I have to do this, uh, I have to preach twice. I only get to preach once. But uh, for, for your benefit, I'm going to combine the two services together and make it twice as long. So uh, I, I got a lot, lot to share with you this morning. And, um, so, but I'm glad that you're here. And as we start a new year together, a year of opportunity, a year of promise, it's a year that I'm looking forward to and sharing this time with you. And I'm glad that we get to, be, to, to start the year by worshiping with one another. It's time of new beginnings, of new resolutions. Maybe you've made some of those already, or maybe you've been reminded of the ones you made in the past that didn't go so well. It's time of new opportunities, time for us to reevaluate, uh, to reconsider, maybe to restart but an opportunity for each one of us to reset. To reset is something, is to, to, to reset something is to restore it to its original purposes, to, to equip it to fulfill its original intent, or to set it back to its original settings. It literally means to set again, or to reestablish, to reengage, to rearrange. If you were playing the piano and you were a little bit lost, there's one key on the piano. I know what it is. I can find middle C. That's it. I took piano for just a few short weeks, and that's still the only note that I can remember to this day. And you find middle C, and it actually sounds like middle C should sound. It resets. You find your center point. 
this place where you are to begin again. We reset something. We, we turn it back to how it was supposed to be all along. Many of you have perhaps have had to reset your smartphone. It gets a little sluggish or slow. They tell you to reset it back to its um, original conditions, where you get that spinning wheel of death on your laptop, and you've got to do some resetting. You've got to shut down the apps. You've got to push the home button and the start button. I don't think new, new phones only got one button. I don't understand those. But we have to kind of get them back to where they were originally created, back to those original settings, so they could function the way that they were intended to function. Maybe your marriage needs a time of resetting after a season of misunderstanding or poor communication. You need to take some time to reset. Maybe as a parent or as a mother and a father, you need to reset how you are raising your children. Maybe there's been some things you've allowed into your home or, or, or into your children's lives that you maybe need to kind of restore or reestablish or to reevaluate. So this is a time for us. It makes sense as we begin this new year to think about those areas of our lives that we might want to change or to approach differently. Now, if you're like me, the holidays tend to rekindle our love affair with sugar. And the mirror shows us the five plus pounds that we've gained. And this time of year requires a reset, a little bit of exercise or willpower, or for the love of salad, something green in our diets. Maybe your jobs, your numbers have fallen a little short, didn't meet expectations or goals have been unmet. It requires a time for us to step back to refocus, to consider what we might change or do differently. See, these, these seasons of resetting, if you will, they help us to reconnect or to restructure, to begin new routines. It can be an exciting time. And while there are many parts of our lives that can be reset, we're also reminded of those resetting moments maybe aren't so exciting. It's not as simple as pushing a button on a joystick or on a video game. The, the, the results of games tend to go away or we can ignore them. Parts of our lives that need reset often leave behind consequences. So over these next couple of weeks together, we're going to talk about those deep internal opportunities for resetting that, that God, I think, desires for us this time of year. It's going to be presented in the form of four one-line simple prayers. If you think it's going to be complex, it's not really complex. It's simple. Today our prayer is, Jesus, reset my heart. It's a conversation that we're going to talk about today about resetting our faith. Because if we reset other parts of our lives without resetting our faith, then like so many other resolutions from years past, we're going to find ourselves falling short. Faith has to be the foundation. Not that other resolutions or other types of resetting might not be valuable and important, but what life has taught us is if we don't reset our faith, then those other areas of our lives won't get much better either. Next week, we'll talk about resetting our minds, uh, resetting our thoughts, uh, centering our belief on what we know. And then third week, we'll talk about resetting our voice, the words that we share and say. Or do we encourage or tear down? What, is the, what does our testimony say about God? Do we take opportunity to share with others about who he is, the difference that he makes in our lives? It's moving to hear you sing about the goodness of God. It is. To sit in the back and to watch your hands and to watch you worship. But it, it's, it's one thing to see how good he is here. But we have a world who needs to know how good he is. Taking advantage of the opportunities that we have to share with them, resetting our voice, 
And finally, resetting our hands, our opportunities to serve, of being practical and active in sharing our faith and making them a difference into those which God puts into our lives. What we see in these four prayers is this linear progression. And as, as I have continued in ministry for 20 years now, I see this linear work of God throughout his, his word. It builds on one another. He doesn't just jump around. It, it's, it's logical. It makes sense. There's a flow to it. But we're going to discover in each of these weeks, there's a thread that unites all four simple prayers. That thread is that we were made for more than this. Whatever this might be in your life, wherever you might be right now, you might, be, you might have had a great year spiritually. That's wonderful. We praise God for it. But you're still created for more. And I pray that you hunger for the more. That we don't settle or become content or complacent in our faith. So we begin this conversation the week after Christmas. Because Christmas has brought the one who makes all of this resetting possible. Christmas, through the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the something more that will help us get to the this for which God has created us. We were created on purpose for a purpose. Maybe you haven't been fulfilling his created purpose for you. If not, it's time to reset. To go back to your original factory settings and rediscover what it is that God has for us. See, Jesus has come. And Jesus changes everything. I'm reading out of Psalm 24 this morning. And uh, we, we might want to open that up. We'll be in this uh, psalm for the next several weeks. So maybe it's something you tend to or strive to read every day. Just to continue to remind yourselves of what God's doing. What he's trying to say to us. But it's a psalm written by David. And we get into the his history, historicity of the psalm here in just a moment. But I wanted to read the psalm in its entirety to you as we started this morning. This is Psalm 24, beginning with verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face, O God of Jacob. In verse 7, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. David writes this psalm as kind of a, a way to commemorate uh, the bringing of the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And so this place he'd prepared for it, the, the end of the tabernacle at this point. And just to understand what, what's happened and why this is such a momentous occasion, uh, the Ark of the Covenant had been built 400 years prior to this moment. And we understand from Exodus chapter 31 that God chose two, two artisans, two craftsmen, to, to build the ark in a very specific way. And the ark would house the, the second stone tablets that God gave to Moses that had on them the Ten Commandments. It would also contain some other holy artifacts. And, and we see that the Israelites would be led by the ark of the covenant through the wilderness into the promised land. They, the Israelites were, were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They were led into the... Uh, into this point of freedom, they cross the Red Sea, and they find themselves at this place of wandering, would end up at, at the base of Mount Sinai, where they would kind of set up their encampment or their, their, their kind of home base for a while. God gives to Moses the law. The ark is built. 
The Israelites continue on their journey, and God instructs them to follow the Ark of the Covenant. Symbolically, follow me, God says. Follow after me. In Joshua chapter 3, uh, we, we read that early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and a Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. No matter what it is that you face in 2022, where we are headed in 2023, we've never been this way before. Who will you follow? Who will you follow? So the Israelites get ready. They, they consecrate themselves. And, and the Ark of the Covenant, again, uh, the, the priests carried into the Jordan River, the water stopped, and God's chosen people crossed into the Promised Land. This Ark of the Covenant, of God's covenant, uh, uh, that represented God's solemn pledge, his commitment to his people, that they were to obey him and follow after his laws, that he would bless them all of their days. We love that part of covenant, don't we? But the opposite is also true. If they refuse to obey God, if instead they would choose to run their own lives and go their own way, they would be subject to consequences, to separation. God would not be before them. There's a verse in Joshua chapter 3. He, he kind of gives him a little bit of a warning. After he says to his people, Joshua says, then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Then we read, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. It's a warning of the holiness of God, uh, of all the, the, the power of God, the majesty of God. The problem is, we're really good sometimes at keeping a distance, aren't we? We might start out with this holy, respectable distance, but then the world kind of tugs on us a little bit. What once was 2,000 cubits now becomes three or four. When we remove ourselves from the protection and provision of God, we're left to face life alone. Like many of us sitting here today in this room, the Israelites would learn this lesson the hard way. God would lead them into the promised land, but waiting for them there, where there was a people known as the Philistines. These were like their rivals, the Wolverines to your Buckeyes, my Steelers to your Browns. You, you kind of get the idea. They didn't like each other. And we see in Scripture that the Philistines and Israelites would face off in, in battle um, seven times in Scripture, major, major encounters, the most famous of which was the time where David fought Goliath, that one we know well. But there's some others, and we read in 1 Samuel chapters 4 through 7 uh, of, of this story that leads to David writing Psalm 24. I want you to understand why he's writing what he's writing and what has happened. There's this battle between the Israelites and the Philistines. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 4, 4,000 Israelites are killed. They're defeated. They are soundly defeated, and they are whooped, not just physically, but now they are mentally and, and, and spiritually beaten. And their reaction is, hey, you know what? We've got this Ark of the Covenant back in the tabernacle. Why don't we go get it? And we'll bring it into battle with us. Well, we'll bring God into the fight with us. And we'll, we'll rely on his power and his strength and sufficiency for, for victory over these Philistines. So they go and they get the Ark of the Covenant. But to them in this moment, their hearts aren't in the right place. 
See, God hasn't led them to this point. Instead, they're treating the Ark of the Covenant as kind of a genie in a bottle. A vending machine, if you will, to satisfy their selfish desires in this moment. This wasn't a posture of reliance, but it's one of, instead of rebellion. This wasn't covenant. There's a battle that ensues. 30,000 Israelites die. The Philistines capture the Ark, not yet knowing or even believing in the power that represented, but they will soon enough. And the Israelites face the consequences of not following, choosing their own way. They would take the ark in, back into their land and their territory. They would place it inside the temple of their god, Dagon, in, in the town of Ashdod. And, and they were celebrating. But the next morning they got up and they went inside to, into the temple of Dagon. And they found Dagon, the, their idol, had fallen to the floor in front of the ark. How did that happen, they thought. That's never happened before. And it appeared to be bowing down before the Ark of the Covenant. A fluke, perhaps? They set Dagon back in position, only to return the next morning to find again the statue had been tipped over, bowing down and in its posture of submission before the Ark of the Covenant. But this time, both its head and arms had broken off. Philistines throughout the town began to have sores all over their body. The city was being overrun by rats. And some of them started to put two and two together. Hmm, we brought this ark here, and all of a sudden these things start happening to us. We need to get rid of this thing. So they moved the ark to the neighboring city, Ekron. They must not have liked Ekron very much. Within hours, that city's people were overcome by sores, and the rats tend to follow. And for seven months, this continued until the Philistines finally decided, let's give this thing back to the Israelites. So they loaded it up on a cart. And the ark would end up back in Israel under the home of a man named Abinadab. There's a lot of details in between there. You can go read if you'd like, 1 Samuel 4 through 7. But Abinadab cares for the ark and places his son as a protector over the ark. And it stays there. For a long time, it stays there. So now David's become king. And, and now there comes this point in time that he's compelled to return the ark of the covenant to the tabernacle. And as he brings it back to its rightful place, he's singing in this song, a psalm to God about his goodness and his power throughout all the earth. But most importantly, he's singing this song about having clean hands and pure hearts before God, and about the foolishness of trusting in an idol or swearing by gods who are false. Jump back to what he writes in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and all who live in it, that's you and me, for he founded it upon the seas, he established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in this holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false? He will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. David is confessing before God that we've got it all wrong, God. You are our creator. We have not been pure and clean. We have not followed the way that you've instructed us to follow. We've stepped out of covenant, and Lord, we need to make it right. David's saying, we need to reset. We need to start over. What's true for the Israelites is true for us today. We were created by God in his own image, on purpose for a purpose, set apart for his glory, gifted and equipped for the works of service he's prepared in advance for us to do. We read in Ephesians chapter 2. If you find yourself not fulfilling your God-given purpose, then we're outside of covenant. We're outside of his protection, outside of his provision, outside of his leading. 
But Jesus has come. And Jesus changes everything. See, Jesus invites us back into God's covenant. Jesus brings hope, joy, peace, and love. Jesus gives an opportunity to say yes or no. Yes, God, many of us have said and continue to say, you can be my God, you can pave my path, you can chart my course, you can meet my needs. Yet yes is not what the Israelites had said. But curiously, they, they didn't quite say no either. See, in response to God's offer of goodness and his grace and provision and peace, they, they didn't just emphatically say, nah. What they, instead they were saying was, eh, maybe. And I wonder if we're not still saying maybe today. See, God was asking them, will you let me be the God of your life? Will you let me love you and protect you and lead you and provide for you? Eh, maybe. Sounds silly, doesn't it? But we do it every day. When we follow at a distance or we, we turn our own direction, I think we do say maybe to God. Now, to be clear, many do and have said a resounding yes in this place this morning. I understand that. We recognize that. We celebrate that. You understand what a covenant relationship brings, what it looks like, and how it's lived out. But we need to be transparent. We need to be honest with one another. Are there some maybes among us? And if it's not maybe, then perhaps it's a few maybe not yet. This is all new to you. You're piecing it all together. You're trying to figure it out. But just as there's some maybes and there's some not yets, there certainly are also some no's. No thanks, God. I'll figure this out on my own. I'll, I'll, I'll do this my way. I got this. I'm good. Maybe for a while. But there's going to come a point in time where you realize what God's offering us. We'll realize how simple it is to, to step back into that covenant relationship, to experience the favor of a life lived following after the one who's created us. But boy, I understand, and I think each of us do, we're, we're confronted with the things of this world that just entice us. We're faced with our own selfish desires, and, and we want something uh, that, that, honestly, many times the people of, who love God shouldn't want or aren't, aren't supposed to want. And we decide when we're faced with those moments that maybe we're better off on our own and we justify and we rationalize and we say no or maybe or just for a little while. We get off course and we stop following the ark. Let's be transparent for just a moment. <laughs> we all have needs. Sometimes maybe the covenant doesn't meet that need in the way or in the timing in which we want. So in our humanness, we find ways to meet those needs ourselves. And we satisfy our need for sex by watching porn or sleeping around. Or it might look like we're meeting our need for clothing, or as my son calls it, our drip, by over-shopping and overspending. Many of you know your Amazon driver by name. You might have a problem. It might look like meeting your need for community by people-pleasing and manipulation. That this desire to be liked or to be included, and perhaps it's a need for success by any means necessary, pushing whoever's in your way out of the way so that you can move forward. It's, it's those moments of, of conflict in our lives where we're faced with real decisions. Who are we going to follow? What's important to us? What is it we desire? Because who we follow 
also has a big indication of where it is that we're led. Are we being led to the promised land? Are we being led into this world where death and destruction awaits those who choose it? But what we forget is that these felt needs that are very real in our lives, they're part of who we are. They're, they're a part of who we were created to be. And when we choose to try to fulfill these needs on our own, we forget that the very one who created us is already meeting those same needs in ways that maybe we've not yet come to understand. He invites us back. And some still say maybe. And it's in the maybes and the no's that we find our need for reset. It's in those decisions that maybe we've allowed uh, Satan to tempt us to wander a little bit that, that create the opportunity for us to need this chance of being restored back to our factory settings, if you will. When we find ourselves in these situations, some of us, though, are prompted to say, hey, I've got this ark at home in my closet. I'll just go pull out my God now. And maybe he'll meet my need. And I think in this moment, it's God's turn to say, hmm, maybe. See, that's not what covenant looks like. And I wonder this morning, what do the maybe moments look like in your life? What reset is God putting on your spirit, even right now? See, God is inviting us into something more. And more than just a maybe faith this morning. And perhaps you're more begins with first acknowledging which buttons do I push to get back to the way I was created. What does that look like? See, Jesus changes everything. And he offers us a heart reset, a reset from a maybe faith to a faith that is fully engaged. Scripture tells us we're invited to draw near to God, and when we do, we know that God draws near to us. But here's the thing. God says, you take the first step, and I'll be right beside you. Draw near to me, God says, and I will be near to you. So, so David uses Psalm 24 to define, define for us what this reset looks like in our lives. See, reset, a reset heart, uh, rejects impurity. just says, no, I'm not going to go there. It desires to be pure in, in the eyes of God. In verse 4, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who desires purity. Who seeks it? Who yearns for it? Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Those who have made themselves acceptable before God. As we draw near to God, we get to know who he is and his thoughts and his ways, his responses, his desires to become more clear to us. We start to look like him. We reflect him. We reject impurity. The reset heart also trusts in Jesus, in God alone. Verse 4, part 2. Let me read the second part. What does it look like? Uh, he who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. A reset heart trusts in God alone. We put our faith in Jesus Christ alone. We'll discuss idolatry more in February, just to kind of let you know what's coming. But, but just for today, for some today, Know that your Dagon will fall before God. Whatever it is you're worshiping, whatever, it is you, whatever basket you're putting all of your eggs into, it will fall before God. It might be fun for a while, fun as the world describes it, but you will find yourselves before God someday having to give an account 
for the idols in which we've chosen to worship. Reset hearts, reject impurity. Reset hearts, trust in Jesus. Reset hearts, stand in God's holy place. We ascend the mountain of the Lord, Scripture tells us. We come into the presence of God. In what place are you standing this morning? Are you standing in his presence? Or are you standing in desperation? Or are you standing in a depressed place? Are you standing in a fearful place? Are you standing in a sinful place? When we ascend the mountain of the Lord, we, we, we step into his presence. What place would you rather be than in the presence of God? We literally can plant ourselves at his feet, stand in the midst of his holiness in the shadow of the Most High. Now, Emmanuel, God with us, God has come, and Jesus changes everything. We can stand there in the midst of love, in the midst of victory. We can have peace and joy, and we can receive his grace. 2022 is now behind us. And for the one or two checks a month you might write, you don't have to worry, well, you still might write the wrong date on there, but you can cross that out and start a new one. The new is now before us. And we have an opportunity today. We have a choice that we get to make. We can stand firm and confident knowing that God still is inviting us in the covenant with him. Despite whatever chaos your world might be throwing at you even right now, what your tomorrow might look like, know that God is with us. And just as he led the Israelites into the promised land, he desires to lead us today. Find yourself weary and tired today? Afraid or alone? I get it. Are you hopeful or hopeless? Are you sick of the sores and the rats, the dampness and darkness that this disconnected maybe or no life has led to? Has sin separated you from him? It's good news. You can hit reset today. You can start over right now. Right here. Here's what we're going to do this morning as we close. We're going to have a time of prayer, and I want to invite, I, we didn't have a long time of prayer at the beginning of service, I wanted to save it for, for our close, and uh, there have been a few times during my time with you, we've had this, kind of this family prayer time, and, and this is kind of one of those moments, because I believe in this place this morning, there's some of us that need to reset. Maybe you need to pray and ask God to reset your faith. I pray it's where it begins. If you need to reset your faith, let us start there. But perhaps you need to reset your marriage your family, or your job. Maybe there's some situations in your life that are very unsettling and uncertain, that they're unknown, and, and that they're hard. Some things coming in 2023 that you already can see that you don't want to experience and go through. I get it. But choose today where you will stand, under whose shadow you will stand, and who you will follow. And we're going to have a time where we invite those who want to come and just reset. Around our altars, most of the front row will be available as well. You can gather the family right where you're seated. It doesn't matter to me. But let's take this opportunity that God has given to us and push aside the maybes and the no's. And today, say yes. Yes, Lord. Restore me to who you created me to be. 
help me, God, to reevaluate what in my life maybe is pulling me from you and to be willing to do something about it. Reset my faith. Reset my home. Reset whatever area of your life that God is speaking to you about right now. As Amy comes, I'm going to invite you to stand. And as I lead us in prayer, those who need to reset, I invite you to respond obediently to God's leading this morning. Take some time to pray with your family, your husband, your wife, a loved one. Maybe it's a time for you to say you're sorry to make some changes. As we begin this new year together, a better way to start than choosing to say yes. I pray and invite you to come. And then we'll spend just some time just resting and listening in his presence. And I'll come back and close us out. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, they founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not left up, lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He who received blessing from the Lord, and vindication, and God is Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Father, I know, Lord, there's some here today that are struggling with the no they've told you. But Lord, this isn't about condemnation. This isn't about making someone feel guilty. This is about making someone know that there is a God who still loves them, who right now has arms open wide and is ready to receive them. The Lord is just waiting to draw near to them. There's some this morning, God, who has said maybe, or not yet, or, or they want to do it their way for a while, or they want to come to you when it's convenient, or when the things they've tried haven't worked, and Lord, all of us, we, we found, have found ourselves in that place in life at some point in time. We, we've been there. God, today, it may be not be an option. Draw us close. The reset you're speaking to us about, it might be a, a very profound life change. It might be something simple, something subtle. But Lord, if it makes a difference in our lives in time, it'll make a difference in the lives of others. So God, with that in mind, I pray for the marriages in this room this morning. Husbands and wives, God, maybe you've let some things slip. I've allowed some emotions or feelings or thoughts to creep into their homes, into their marriages, Lord, that have caused some division, a little bit of separation. Maybe there's nothing obvious, maybe it's subtle. But Lord, they're not as close, perhaps, as maybe they could be. Help us be willing to push reset. Maybe God be willing to say we're sorry. How powerful that might be. The mothers and fathers in this place today, we feel 
perhaps likely they don't know what to do with their children. May they first bring them to you. Give us wisdom. Direction. May we seek it from the right place. Not from the internet, Lord, not from the world, but may we seek wisdom from you. For our workplaces, our jobs. <laughs> Pray, Lord, the things we pursue, the places we allow our, our, our lives places we allow ourselves to be placed, Lord, I pray that they would be for your glory. Not our own advancement, Lord, but for, for your kingdom's sake. For those, Lord, facing some things in 2023 that, Lord, they'd rather not have to deal with. Some heartbreaking things, even in this moment, God, I just pray you would meet them there. And even in these moments, Lord, you can be glorified. The world can see you at work. You may not answer prayer, Lord, the way that we'd like you to or in the time that we'd like you to do it, but, Lord, you do answer. God, I pray for your will to be done. As a good friend reminded me this week. Pray today as we leave this place. We wouldn't leave the same way in which we've come. We've been in your presence we are standing, God, we have ascended the hill of the Lord today. We're before you, God, and that should change us. Help us, Lord, to reset. Restore us, God, to who you created us to be. May the grace that Jesus offered, Lord, as we accept it, <laughs> equip and compel us to be light in a world that is so dark. For the one this morning, Lord, that's running, God, you just remind them no matter how fast or far they run, you still love them. You're still here for them. You're still waiting for them. For the stubborn Lord among us who say, no, I'm gonna do it my way, Remind them, God, that when their idol falls, you'll still be there. Waiting. Lord, we love you this morning. I thank you, God, for this invitation in the covenant. You still offer to us today. And that, Lord, as we say yes, that we will recognize your leading. We will praise you, God, for your provision. We will thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. The Lord, the world will see something different in us. They'll want to know more about what it is that compels us to live life the way that we do. The Lord, in so doing, well, others come to know who you are. Thank you, God. Draw near to us, Lord, as we draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a happy new year. It's the first day of a new opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. Have a great day. God bless. See you next week.